music steward has a platter of goodies to play today. Here's a man to Thank you very, very much, Artie Wayne, Starlighters, the late Tony Avello and Company, and happiness wherever you may be. We're all once again gathered in our Palm Fringe Sanctum Sanctorum, and we trust that you will enjoy some of the things that we're about to bring you. Through the magic of the audio medium, for those of you who are audience, you see, if you watch television, you're a vidiot, and if you are, are a nut, you know, on uh, high fidelity, you're an idiot. Anyway... We are going to magically transfer me, while this first number is playing, to Mel Lewis's house out in North Hollywood. <laughs> and I have a portable record player that's four inches wide, you see, and we're going to send the whole thing over that way. Anyway, you'll hear the whole show. But the uh, interview is being done out there because uh, the guys are very, very busy while they're in town. We're talking about Mr. Mel Lewis and Mr. Thad Jones. And Thad and Mel have got a fabulous band together. They're recording for Solid State. And from their album Live at the Village Vanguard, we're going to kick things off with a rather interesting little piece for those of you who are uh, of the avant-garde jazz group, and you will hear some great solos by some great people. We'll be chatting about them. Uh, matter of fact, it's probably going to take about eight or nine days to get this whole thing in, but we'll <laughs> see if we can cut it down to maybe one or two, because I know how busy everybody is. Anyway, this was written by Thad Jones. And you might be interested in knowing that Thad Jones and the great pianist Hank Jones are brothers. Uh, Thad has nothing to do with the piano. But uh, you'll find out that uh, he hasn't lost his embouchure one bit. That's his lip, buddy.
to a spring length of time certainly are no strangers to the gentlemen who have just been performing for you one of the world's most irrepressible percussionists and uh, another gentleman who not only plays well but uh, you've been writing a lot of memorable melodies lately Thad uh, kind of getting into the composing thing rather thickly aren't you well I'm trying to sort of uh, put my hand in you might say uh huh <laughs> well, kind of the right hand helps the old annuity, thing, you know. <laughs> oh yes, you know? Yeah. it helps to belong yeah. to the organizations too, of course. Yeah, oh yeah, you be my and also to be exposed mm -hmm. at on yeah. such programs as this one. Oh yeah, this is wonderful. You know, there's nothing like this because uh, no expense is spared to save money here. Are <laughs> 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 oh. you my or ASCAP then? Well, ASCAP. You're ASCAP. Yes, good boy. Mel, do you uh, write too as well? You know? No, I wish I did. I, I don't write at all. But they say a drummer should. It'd be good for a drummer to be able to write. In fact, 
dad's been on me a long time mm -hmm. saying I should write but it would involve probably you know some study and everything I, I, I've got ears mm -hmm. and I have a slight knowledge you know but I, if I'd probably sit myself down and read some books and do some listening and take a few little lessons I probably could do it but mm -hmm. finding the time now with this organization <laughs> is, is the thing. last time we recorded together was with the Sweet Angels, wasn't it? That's right in mm. fact, uh, if I might say, I just saw Alice Babs. Did you? Just a few weeks ago. She did a sacred, sacred concert with Duke Ellington. With, uh, yeah. And Edward Kennedy. Right, and I popped mm -hmm. over at the... Uh, Jimmy uh, Hamilton's father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, pop, I, popped, I popped into the uh, rehearsal, uh, the recording day. Oh, and she good. was there, and she was very surprised that I remembered her. Oh, and she, I said, well, you remembered me. Why shouldn't I remember you? It was a fun. I remember the, the lot yeah. of fun. Hey, they sure were. I thought the uh, greatest thing about that bunch from over there were that they're rather accomplished musicians, all of them, and she is something else. But the uh, reaction was that they just couldn't understand why uh, people like yourself and, uh, oh, Joe Comfort and so on, the people down the line that we worked with throughout all those sessions would want to play with them. Yeah, I remember. You know, they all thought I everybody was too good. Right. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I tell you, I spent, I spent uh, a day, I was in Denmark, I was over there with uh, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, a few years ago, and mm -hmm. uh, I, Sven Asmussen, mm -hmm. came and got me and took me out to his home. We had a marvelous time, you know. Yeah. And he said, he. They, meet those crazy daughters? Right. Yeah. Beautiful daughters. <laughs> and, I lost my son over there for about four months. <laughs> <laughs> and we discussed that, and he, mm -hmm. I told him everybody really enjoyed working with them. Well, it's the only time that Shelly Mann ever learned to play tambourine. <laughs> we sent him a bill, you know, for one of the sessions. You did? Yeah. <laughs> he kept on asking uh, Sven, how did the Brazilians play that tambourine? And then after Sven wrote it down, he couldn't play it. <laughs> it's a very difficult beat. Listen, what do, you, uh, what do you enjoy most about this new association you've had on Solid State, outside of the fact that we got Sonny Lester out of the band business, which is great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> got, him, got him into the recording business? Yeah. Well, uh... Our association with them is a, is a unique one in one respect, in, in that we, we get a chance to record the things that we want to do. I think that's, uh, uh, that's novel. I, I, it is. Yes, it, it is, is in the recording business because usually uh, everything is influenced uh, from a commercial angle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what can sell records instead of what might be good musically. Right. And uh, we've, we, uh, we've uh, in that area, we have a very unique relationship with our recording company, with Solid State. Yeah, do they uh, are are they actually doing? I had Sonny on the show about a year ago, just uh, after some of this stuff got off the ground, and uh, he mentioned at the time that uh, they're using dynamics. In other words, they'd uh, let you run through a number and just set the dials, and that's it. And uh, that's, that's true. Is that, it still working? Mm -hmm. up? That's yes. the way we. I think it's a great deal. It's excellent. Uh, well, it gives it gives a band a chance to perform as a band, you mm -hmm. know. Right. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to play the same solo, you know, like most musicians. That, and Especially in our band, we, they, they don't play the same solos all the time. Oh. And there's certain shadings. Not even twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's certain shadings that, that yeah. you know, that can't be handled dial-wise. You know, mm -hmm. they're just like... Right. Yeah. And I think it's a wonderful idea. So in other words, you, you get some of the dynamics of, yes. of the actual music. You allow, you them, you allow the musicians to, to make the dynamics. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's a wonderful approach. And if anybody has got any questions, let's take a listen to a little of it right here, and that'll end that discussion.
Great sounds of the jazz orchestra, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis, who are our guests, or more correctly, I'm their guest, and not only that, I'm hanging them up on dinner. <laughs> but uh, we're going to uh, work that out one way or the other. That was, of course, uh, Ann Ronald's tune called Willow Weep for Me, and here's another one that Thad wrote called Mean What You Say, and I think he do. to the Bill Stewart Show from the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service Studios in the heart of Hollywood 
and we're featuring our special guests, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis. solid state of uh, Thad Jones and Mel Lewis and the jazz orchestra, as they call it. And uh, you heard what they were twixt them. Thad, do you have any uh, particular uh, favorites out of the things that you've written that are in these sets? Well, I think uh, nothing, nothing is my real favorite. And actually, everything is. You're beginning because to sound like Jimmy Van Heusen. No, no for, for one reason, for one reason. Is it, uh, because it, uh, all of the things are performed by the guys that I admire, mm-hmm. that I've always wanted to work with, and uh, that have the unique quality of being, uh, in addition to uh, great solos, you know, individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're wonderful guys to, to listen to and play with in a section. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this goes back to to the original conception of the band as, as Mel and I, you know, I talked it over when we got it together. And, and, and the same thing that I just mentioned to you then is what we had in mind when we formed the band. So actually, you know, that, though to make a long story short, there's nothing I could say or write that would mean anything if it wasn't played. Well, that, that's true, but uh, you've got to have some things that you, uh, that you, that you have... Uh, Maybe a leaning to not because of the solos involved in it, but because of the uh, the actual melodic composition itself, which you started out with. Because you know you still got to have the melody before we start all of this uh, <laughs> going on, where everybody uh, says uh, I have a message one way or the other, and I like to uh, maybe embellish it this way. You know. Yes. Well. Well. You know. Actually, you know, none of the things that I've uh, that I've uh, written are really my favorites. Uh-huh. I have a I have a leaning toward. Uh, Compositions by other people and arrangements by other people, and uh, I think Bobby Brookmeyer, for one, along with Garnett Brown uh-huh. and Tommy McIntosh, you know, are three three most uh, to me underrated musicians, and that uh, they haven't really been heard from enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, the compositions that they've done for for us have been 
they they border on the fantastic. Hmm. You know, to to make a yeah. to make a sort of a. <laughs> I don't want to appear redundant, but yeah, I, go I'll ahead, probably, appear redundant. I'll probably <laughs> keep repeating this thing. <laughs> yeah, know, these these three guys, uh, in addition to being fine players, are great writers. They have wonderful musical minds, mm -hmm. uh, a great approach harmonically to whatever whatever the musical problem is, and and uh, like well, they frankly they just knock me out. Well, that's a uh, that's a good love testimonial, you know, right there. They knock you out. They got something going for them, right? Mel, <laughs> huh. where did you get your start? Basically, did uh, you have to take up the piano or something with the family, and you finally screamed, and they gave you a set of drums and put you in a soundproof room, or what? What happened? No, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the uh, the main instrument of the family was the drums. Really? Sure. My oh. father was a drummer, mm -hmm. professional, and. Uh, there was no, there was there was no piano in our house. There was nothing but drums, sitting around the house, and uh, I think around the age of two, I started banging on everything in sight, including those when I could get my hands yeah. on. Yeah. And uh, according to my dad, as uh, you just picked up whatever was in sight and started playing, and just never stopped. Hmm. So and that, being that was that was the only instrument in the house, I that was it. That's kind of a nice uh, approach, though, isn't it? They have a set of drums instead of having to take up something you didn't want to. I never. I, I never. <laughs> funny is, the funny bit is, I never wanted anything else. And my uh -huh. dad tried to steer me to. He ins he threw a saxophone in my face one day mm -hmm. that had once belonged to him because he had played some saxophone. He had played violin. He knew music. You know, he he had studied those instruments when he was a young fella, and he he threw that stuff and he said, "Here." It's, he had them. They were mm -hmm. there. I never knew they existed, but they were there. They were hidden away, and I couldn't make them. <laughs> I, I wish I had. Been. Probably my knowledge of music would have been mm -hmm. even greater today. But uh, I just didn't want to do anything but play the drums. You find that uh, you pick up a great deal along the way. That you, uh, I mean, you played with some pretty good people over a period of years, long before uh, you guys got together, and. Uh, do you actually think that the uh, oh the big band era and the good group era, particularly regardless of whether you're talking about Bob, because let's face it, Gillespie can hold a whole note, even though some of his contemporaries can't. And do uh, you think it has a great influence on what you're doing now? Oh yes, uh -huh. because uh, if I can go back, like when I was eight years old, I heard uh, I was introduced to Gene Krupa. Mm -hmm. All right, now prior to the Prior to that, oh, I heard my father. I listened to him. I listened to the radio. But back around 1937, I heard Gene Krupa. I was taken by the hand by my dad, and there he was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Gene. <laughs> and uh, no, he was the first big one that I mm -hmm. got to see with the, with the Goodman mm -hmm. Band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then on, I started uh, I started seeing a lot of them. And uh, I, for about the first year or two, I saw a million drummers. I absorbed a little something from all of them. Mm -hmm. But he was still the favorite, and then all of a sudden, one day, after a bad polio epidemic in Buffalo, which went on for oh, months and months, and we weren't allowed to go to theaters. Mm -hmm. Children weren't up to a certain age. And finally, the day the epidemic ended and they took the quarantine off the city, it was Count Basie's last night at a Century Theater, mm -hmm. and I ran down that afternoon and sat through three shows and saw my next favorite drummer, who was mm -hmm. Joe Jones. Mm -hmm. I also saw Lester Young and Herschel Evans and mm -hmm. Buck Clayton and Harry Edison and a whole bunch of good players, but I just couldn't take my ears and my eyes off of Joe Jones. Here was the first really something new I had seen since Krupa. Mm -hmm. I had seen Buddy Rich and heard Buddy Rich in that little interim. You can't at any time but he, not hear Buddy. Go ahead. He did. He didn't impress me as much at the time because uh -huh. his the blazing speed that he had even then didn't mean as much to me as because I I kept hearing the same kind. Krupa to me was the something new that had occurred. Rich to me was doing everything Krupa was doing. Mm -hmm. A little bit faster. It wasn't anything yeah. new. Joe Jones was the first new sound I heard, and that became a very big influence. Now that. This really started to set me. This set me off in a direction, and I sort of stayed in that direction until 
until we got into the 40s, and the next new thing I heard was all of a sudden I heard of a guy by the name of Max Roach. Mm -hmm. uh, he turned me around completely again. I, Kenny Clark didn't impress me as much as Max did, although, mm -hmm. although Kenny was the man that started this thing, this particular new thing, although I think that evolved out of Joe Jones also. Joe Jones was playing off beats and kick beats with Basie's band before Kenny Clark introduced him. Kluke mm -hmm. sort of gets the credit for playing uh, the... Uh, getting away from, uh, you know, playing uh, kick beats with the bass drum and all that. That's not true. I don't believe that. I think Joe Jones started all that. He was playing, he was playing in between. He was playing the little in-betweeners long before that. Mm -hmm. And that's what impressed me. <coughs> well, I can tell you one thing. Uh, whatever impressed you, it worked out well. Right. Well, if anybody uh, has any questions on that subject, we're about to uh, get at it here. And let's get back to some of these wonderful sounds that come from the great solid state line a subsidiary of United Artists of course and uh, this is uh, Thad, Mel and uh, if you don't know the title you haven't been listening very often
Well, all right. That was don't ever leave me, and it just left me. <laughs> That's a very pretty song. I like that one. That's one of my favorites out of this particular set, which is their original uh, on uh, the Solid State line, presenting Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, and the Jazz Orchestra. I ought to give you a breakdown on who's in the band, too. I think it's a good point to do that uh, before we play another. These uh, are very long tracks. And uh, most of the things these gentlemen have to say are very interesting. And if we don't get it all in today, we'll continue it. All right? Anyway, Thad, of course, is playing flugelhorn. Mel Lewis is on drums. The saxes are, uh, oh, Jerome Richardson. That isn't bad, you know. He also plays a little flout and a few other things. And you have Joe Farrell and Jerry Dodgian, Eddie Daniels, and Pepper Adams in the sax section. You have uh, Richard Williams, Danny Stiles. Bill Berry, Jimmy Nottingham on the trumpets, the trombones of Bobby Brookmeyer, Jack Raines, Tom McIntosh, and Cliff Heather. Dick Davis is on bass. And uh, when you can get a, these clowns to travel with the band, uh, you've got something going for you. Anyway, Hank Jones. Well, he has to travel. Let's face it, that's his brother. <laughs> he doesn't have to at all. But he plays with the band, and the guitar belongs to old Sam Herman. And we're going to... Uh, do a thing that we'd like to have you dedicate to all of your girlfriends, wherever they may be, called Don't Get Sassy. This is taken from their live performance at the Village Vanguard.
by the way, we're running a little short of time. While you gentlemen are uh, here in town, up at Marty's on the Hill, and coasting a little, uh, you think you could uh, maybe well back in uh, again, and we'll uh, kind of continue this where we left off? We'd love to. Hmm? Yeah, yeah I'd like, like it. I'd like love to. As many times as possible. All right. Nelson Riddle winding it up on Solid State with wives and lovers. And don't forget, love spelled backwards is evil. Anyway, that's not true at all. Okay, Thad Lewis and Mel Jones. We'll do it that way. <laughs> Who were with us. And uh, don't forget, too, this is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. <laughs>